This image from the uh, book of the prophet Jeremiah in our first reading is so beautiful, it's worth meditating on. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the waters. It stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. You can see it so clearly in your mind, can't you? This tree that is planted by a stream. Have you ever come across a, a stream like in the mountains or in a desert place like Colorado? I went fishing last summer uh, in a very, very hot and desert-like place, high altitude. And when you come to the river, finally, where the fish are, It's just green and lush all along the river because things can stretch out their roots to the water there. And this drainage where all the water, all the snow melt is coming down from the mountains from the wintertime all summer long, that's the place that stays green, that still bears fruit because it's next to the water. It's an image, if you want, of the spiritual life. You may have heard that phrase before, the spiritual life, um, or maybe not. I remember I heard it for years and never really understood what it meant. Priests would talk about, oh, in the spiritual life, this happens, or in the spiritual life, you should do this. What is the spiritual life? Um, well, we're all spiritual, right? We all have spirits. We're, we have immortal souls that are embodied in this body. So we are, we are spirits, but not all of us live a spiritual life. In other words, we don't, we don't all engage our spirit, the spirit which is capable of relating to God. We don't all have a relationship with God. Or maybe it's kind of new, or maybe sometimes we wane in our dedication to our relationship to God. We stop investing in it. And so we're living a physical life, we're living an emotional life, we're living a psychological life, but we're not really living a truly spiritual life. And so what the spiritual life is, is basically a stable commitment to a personal relationship with Christ. In the sacraments, celebrating you know, the Eucharist on Sundays at least, bare minimum, staying in the state of grace, but also a daily life of prayer. Like you know not just about Jesus, but you know him from relating to him, just as you know your parents or your family or your friends. You have a stable relationship, a personal relationship with those people. So the spiritual person has a relationship with Jesus. It's in- intentionally cultivating this relationship. It's, if you want, being like the trees planted by the river. We are drawing our life from God all the time. We're not planted in the desert where we just like, every once in a while the rain comes if we're lucky, um, but most of the year we're just withering. We're not bearing any fruit. The spiritual life is that, that life lived by the flowing water, the living water. What it is not, and sometimes when we, we live the spiritual life, usually after some conversion, most people have some kind of conversion experience, where they realize the goodness of living for Christ. They receive the consolation of turning away from sin, maybe receiving forgiveness for their sins, going to confession for the first time in a really long time, um, or just learning their faith in a new way that they never learned before, and just seeing the substance of it, that it's not just uh, a code of ethics, but it's really the person of Jesus. And we're like, wow, I want more of that. I want to learn how to pray. I want to learn what the Bible says. I want to learn the meaning of my faith more, because you're getting something out of it. Um, and it can devolve into then this sort of seeking out and let's call it scooping up spiritual candy. Like I'm just getting this consolation. I'm just getting these good feelings, these warm fuzzies from being in a relationship with God. And that's what I'm really after. I'm not so much after God. I'm not so much after a relationship with Jesus, but what I get out of it. 
And it's just an, another form of egotism. And it can leave us as empty sometimes or frustrated as the other forms of egotism, like gluttony or lust or, or, or what have you. It's you know, not being attached to Jesus Christ, but the consolation or the, the good feeling we get from it. And um, just like in the, the regular life, the non-spiritual life, there's ups and downs and those, that dry period comes, you know, when the river is lower or, or we have to stretch out our roots a little bit deeper to find that grace. And if we're only after the candy, if we're only after the sweetness of bearing the yoke of Christ and we can't bear the suffering or the pain, um, it becomes too much to bear. And a lot of times we'll just abandon it. It's also not managing our sin, so to speak. Like we're just trying to live a better life you know, and after a conversion experience, we might say, the thing that is different about my life today is that I'm not doing X, Y, Z that I did before my conversion, and now I'm doing fill-in-the-blank, A, B, C. And even our most spiritual things, like prayer, praying the rosary, going to Mass, can become just like checking the box and making sure we're doing all the right things. So it's a kind of self-perfection or self-help. Um, and it's also this just egotism. It's like a, a self-reliant... Um, Self-perfection. It's, it's not, it, it feels good to get in shape, to, to do things right, to, to live a more ordered life, but it's not the point. The, the point of that is both as an outgrowth of a commitment to Jesus Christ and to be more stable in our commitment to living for him. That's why we have this discipline, why we need to grow in virtue. It's not an end in itself. It's, it's for living for Christ. It's the, that is the substance of the spiritual life. It's seeking out and growing in a deeper communion every day, with Jesus Christ. And lastly, what it's not, there is no, so to speak, neutral zone in the spiritual life where you're neither growing nor shrinking. You know, like, oh, I've just kind of plateaued in my spiritual life. I'm not doing anything really bad. I'm not getting worse. I'm not moving away from God. But I'm also not, like, in a particularly intense season of growth. You know, it's just kind of whatever. I'm just plateaued. There's no such thing. Why? Because God is always interested in a deeper relationship with you. And more to it, he is laboring, he's working very hard to bring about that deeper communion with you. He is offering grace. The river never stops flowing. It's always intense. It's always enough. There's never like, oh, I ran out of river. The river itself is infinite. You, the tree next to it, you are always growing. You're always, roots are seeking out more and more of that grace. And that's why those dry seasons actually can be the seasons of most intense growth. Because as we're looking for Christ, as we're, we're seeking him out and we're committing to him, in spite of not necessarily getting those warm fuzzies, those consolations, as our roots go down deeper to seek the water, we become more stable and more firmly rooted in that place beside the river. That's where we want to stay, where we always want to live. And what's the sign that you're living the spiritual life? Is it that you are having mystical revelations all the time? Oh my gosh, that person lives such an intense spiritual life. They're always feeling great. They always have such peace. They never have any doubt. They're never afraid. They just have this super confidence. They're like a saint. Um, is it a feeling? God, no, he's not a feeling. God is a person. And so the, the surefire sign that you are living the spiritual life is that you love him. 
And love is expressed more perfectly in deeds than words or even feelings. Yes, love is a feeling, but it's more than a feeling. It's, a, it's, a conform, it's a conforming your will to the will of another. So when you sit down to pray, you might not feel like this intense rush. Hopefully you have felt an intense experience of God's love for you in some way tailored to your own heart. But on the day-to-day, the sign that you're living in communion with Christ is not that you're feeling that all the time. It's that you're growing in your desire to serve him, to please him, to stay with him. Finish with this story. I was up this past week at Mundelein for a program called Institute for Priestly Formation. And uh, so I was up there for a week of taking classes on spiritual direction. And I made it my way a few times over to Marytown, which I don't know if you've ever been to Marytown. Google it. Go there. It's a beautiful place. It's one of my favorite churches. It's the, my favorite church I've ever been to in the world. It's a beautiful place. It's a perpetual adoration chapel that's been there since the 1920s. Benedictine nuns were placed there in order to pray for seminarians. And so it's right next to the seminary. Um, now it's conventional Franciscans that live there, and it's um, the shrine of Maximilian Kolbe. But that perpetual adoration chapel is still there, and they have this big, gigantic monstrance. And the host, the consecrated host that's in this monstrance must be the size of a basketball. It's huge. And the church is very big, and the, the pews are far back from the, the high altar, but you can see Jesus from, from way back there, and he's so visible and so beautiful. And I was praying in there one night, and in, uh, from the side where, like, the gift shop and stuff are, comes this older couple with a little, maybe three-year-old boy, I assume is their grandson. And he's a little rambunctious, but he's, he's quiet, and they're, you know, as people sometimes do with little kids, dipping his hand in the holy water, making the sign of the cross, teaching him how to be in the church, genuflecting and stuff like that. And sure enough, they decide to sit right behind me. Um, and this kid is kind of shifting around, and the parents are whispering, like, shh or the grandparents. And they're not going to stay for, for very long, I can tell, because the kid is not going to sit still for very long. But he is, amazingly, pretty respectful, pretty quiet. He's mirroring the energy that these two pious older people have, his grandparents. And um, I can hear his grandmother pointing out the monstrance to him. And she said, that's the real Jesus. And I just, it was really struck by that. And I, I, my mind immediately went to, maybe he's seen pictures of Jesus or the little um, statue of him in the nativity scene, the baby Jesus, uh, or Jesus on a crucifix or something like that. These are pictures of Jesus, the images of Jesus. But she pointed at the Eucharist and said, that's the real Jesus. And it was so funny. He said, oh, that's the real Jesus? Let's sing a song. <laughs> That was so cute. That was his reaction. She goes, we can't sing a song. There's people praying in here. We'll sing a song when we leave. But he starts like belting out. I don't know what he was singing. It was a three-year-old just kind of uh, babbling. But he, he had this joy in him like, oh yeah, that's the real Jesus. He wanted to sing Jesus a song. It, it's true. The root Eucharist is the real Jesus. We say the real presence, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And it just occurred to me after they left that here I am, Jesus, in your real presence. And sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes you go to communion and you feel like this peace, this abiding sense of God's presence, and you're drawing your life like the tree planted beside the water from him. Sometimes you don't feel anything. Sometimes you're still worried about what you were worried about when you came in here. Um, you're still thinking about what you were thinking about when you came, came in here. Sometimes it's even worse. that just being quiet with your thoughts has made you more anxious and, and you're not yet feeling the, the effects of, of drawing your life from God. 
But what occurred to me while I was praying there is that, Jesus, here you are in your real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and here I am in my real presence, body, blood, soul, and humanity. I've put myself in your presence. I'm planting myself beside you. And that's all I can do. And whatever miracle of grace that he's working in me through my life of prayer, the spiritual life is mysterious. You can't make it happen. It's like the tree can't make itself grow. It can just draw its life from the earth, the nutrients, the water. So you have to sit there and plant yourself next to Jesus. You've done it here. You've come to Mass here tonight. And to trust in that growth, to trust in that slow work of grace, um, that it's happening, that you are living the spiritual life, that whatever lies might enter in from the evil one to, to make you afraid or to make you insecure or to try to uproot you, to put you in a more deserted place, don't listen to them. Just stay where you are, planted next to the water.